Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Your Vibes Podcast. Everybody's got a vibe and a story to tell. Here's this one. I hope you enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Your Vibes Entertainment. Your Vibes Entertainment is Middle Tennessee's premier hospitality entertainment consulting company. If you or your business are in need of a mobile DJ, group entertainment like trivia, karaoke, or bingo, or you just need a professional MC to help coordinate your event's day of logistics, we have you covered. It's no work and all play when you hire Your Vibes Entertainment. You can trust us to bring top-of-the-line sound equipment, lighting, and a professional attitude to any event you are hosting. If you are interested in boosting your revenue, showcasing your company, or just want to provide high-vibe entertainment for your family, friends, employees, or clients, please contact us on Facebook or Instagram at Your Vibes Entertainment. Shoot us an email at yventertainmentservicesllc at gmail.com or reach out to the owner, Michael, directly at 615-330-3236. Thanks, and always remember, stay vibey, my friends. Here we go. Three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome back for another episode. Got a special episode today. Mr. Talmadge Woodall is in here with us. How you doing, Talmadge? We're doing good. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing fine. Doing fine. Thanks for taking the time. I know you got a busy schedule, um, but you are on the campaign trail for General Sessions Judge. So any... Uh, any kind of FaceTime, AirTime, anything you can get, right? That'll that's, that'll help out. That's correct, and thank you for having me on your, your yeah, podcast. Absolutely, this yeah. No, you're you're part of the crew now, and um, looking forward to this. Is like we were talking earlier. This is close to the 50th episode, so I'm hoping to uh, have another 50 more and keep this thing going. I think um, Dixon's received it well, and um, I know I know I sure enjoy it, and it's a little bit of a creative outlet for me. So um, thanks for jumping on and. Uh, Talmadge, I haven't really known Talmadge too terribly long. Um, he did just move in into the neighborhood, so we've been kind of passing each other by. Been um, talking about having a grill out or something every now and then. Maybe when the weather warms up, we can yeah, that's <laughs> we right. Can get everybody yeah, together. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so we got him in here today uh, to kind of just uh, speak his piece on on who he is and and where he came from and kind of um, the projection path that he's got planned out for the next couple months and and should things go his way the next couple years and. Um, just let everybody know what he's got to say. And uh, of course, you know, if you're listening to this and you've got any questions for Talmadge, you can find him, um, on Facebook and Instagram, I guess. Right. And then, um, I'll post kind of his contact information, um, on the post of this too. If anybody's got anything they want to want to talk to him about, I'll give that out in the end of the show. Cool. 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 Um, all right. Well, I guess in true cadence of the show, we can kind of jump into just, uh, who is Talmadge and, um, growing up and family life, and I know you've got a, a long family history here too. That's kind correct. Of in the some in the same profession as well, so just following in some footsteps and blazing your own trail, and um, yeah, so just wherever you want to start, just jump right in. All right. Well, uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show today. Um, you know, I moved to Dixon uh, when I was five years old in 1990. Uh, before that, uh, I was born in Memphis, actually. Oh well. And I lived there for a few months. My dad was working at a uh, a law firm there, and he decided, he, you know, wanted to get out of Memphis. So we moved to uh, Camden, Tennessee, uh, when I was about one. Big city. Yes, Benton <laughs> County. Uh, where my dad was hired as a, uh, he's got the same job I've got now, or back then, he was an assistant DA uh, for, I think, the, the 
24th district. Hmm. Uh, so he did that from about 84 to 90. That's when, we, when we moved, he quit being assistant DA. We moved to Dixon. Uh, we lived in a house, 306 Merle Street, right there in downtown Dixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad started up his own law practice, and I lived there until uh, I was 18. And then uh, after that, you know, I went to I went to the University of Alabama. Um, so, but if I, if downtown, I could murmur yeah. the words "roll tide," I would. But I just... <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully, nobody will. <laughs> We'll hold that against me. <laughs> but uh, and I didn't know this till you know, a few months ago. My dad told me this. But I, I actually have a long line of uh, history in this county. Our family does on my dad, my grand, my dad's mother's side. So my dad's, my grandmother, my dad's side. Uh, back in, I met my, uh, my distant ancestor, Charles Thompson. Uh, he was a Civil War veteran. He fought for the... Virginia Militia, hmm. he settled from North Carolina here in Yellow Creek Road area uh, in 1810. Whoa. Yeah. And my grandmother, uh, Jean Taylor Woodall, was a direct descendant of him. Okay. Her mother was a Thompson. Her, mo- her mom's name was Stella Thompson. Okay. She married a Taylor. That's where Taylor Funeral Home comes from. Oh, no. Okay. And so... Gene Taylor married my grandfather, Tom Woodall. Okay. And then they had my dad, Tommy Woodall. And, you know, so that's... that's there we are. It brings it's it all eight together. generations. Yes. I, you know? my, yeah, Mike had told so, me somehow you were related um, uh, to that side over there. So now, okay, yeah. now I get it. And Charles Thompson, he is actually buried uh, in a cemetery off Thompson Road. Okay. Uh, which is off Yellow Creek Road. Yes. I haven't been to it. I need, I need to go over there and check, yeah. it, check it out one day. Yeah. I think my dad's been to it. Okay. But I just I thought that was pretty cool. So cool. I've got my roots run deep in this county. Absolutely. So yeah, it is uh um there's very I say very few. There there are some families here with some some deep roots, but um it's starting to get mixed in with a lot of new blood too. That's I, true. I, I kinda, That's good. I kinda, yeah, it's absolutely good. It's it's good uh, for the county. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Dixon has changed quite a bit, especially downtown Dixon since we moved here. <laughs> I love every second of it. Oh yeah, I do too. Yeah, and, uh, it's uh, great. Forty six is growing a little bit. Um, I know that uh, people are starting to complain a little bit about traffic over there, which is not a bad problem to yeah. have. So, That's true. Uh, new business is always good business for the most part. But That's uh, true. so yeah, so you graduated from Alabama, and then you jumped into you know what would you do right when you got out. Well, right when I get out. Well, before that, before Alabama, yeah. uh, you know, I went to elementary school here at all sixth grade. Yeah. Uh, then my parents, uh, they sent me to Battleground Academy in Franklin, uh, which one that which one bad. It's a great school. I mm-hmm. played football there. Um, when I was going there, actually, there was probably tw- I'd say twelve or fourteen kids from Dixon that went there. Oh. We had a bus when I was in seventh grade. There was a bus, a little van that took us, okay. took all the kids. Where we did met they pick at, you up? We met at uh, the Chapel CB by Luther Lake. There you go. And then we drove to, yeah. So, I mean, my treasurer, Ross Smith, uh, he graduated BGA. Okay. Me. I guess so. that would have been kind of the closest private high school at that point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, but it was a great experience. Yeah. Uh, went to the University of Alabama, where I, I studied history and criminal justice. I got a major in both of those. Uh, joined a fraternity. Um, had a great experience there. You know, when I started college, 
you know, I, I thought I wanted to go into some type of law enforcement. Mm. You know, that's why I, I got the criminal justice, and I, I really liked history. Um, and probably around junior or senior year, I decided, you know what, I, I, I want to try to get into law school. So I took the LSAT a few times. I don't remember taking the LSAT. It was so long ago. Uh, I don't even remember the score I got. <laughs> but uh, around, I'd graduated there in December of Alabama, December of 2006. And, you know, I really don't remember how many law schools I, I applied to. I don't remember applying to too many. But the one law school I did apply to was Nashville School of Law. Um, and, it, you know, it still is a night school. It's part-time. And it kind of drew me to me because, I, I mean, I knew all the teachers were practicing lawyers you know, or judges. You get a practical law, law education. Um, the, the cost was efficient. What near as expensive as, you know, uh, UT or Alabama or, you know, a, a full-time law school. And I could work during the day and earn a little bit of a living to help pay for, for law school or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, National School of Law was a, was a great decision for me. Um, there's a lot of good teachers up there. Uh, it's a struggle, you know, to work oh, yeah. full time and then go to law school two or, two or three nights a week from six to 10. Whoa. I couldn't do it now, you know. I don't, and the, you know, when I started there, you know, there were, I was probably one of the, me and a few other guys were probably the youngest people in our class. A lot of people were, you know, 10, 15, 20 years older than me. I was 22 at the time, and they had families and kids, and there's no way I could do that. Whoa, I was, yeah, you know, no a way. single man. I just moved to Nashville. I lived in Nashville while I was going there, and I don't see how they did it. I mean, I don't. It just, just me. with everything yeah. that you've got going on there, you're yeah. like, right, hold on, how am I going to fit law school into all this? Yeah, yeah. you know, and it was much easier to do as a 22 year old single Absolutely. man than. So, what were those yeah. people? So, if they're older, that would be a career change and, yeah. for the most part. They just, you just, you know, woke up one morning. I think I'll be a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. and some some of them, you know, I guess their companies paid for them to go there. Sure, and so you know, it was just a step up in their their company. Which, okay, you know. Uh, but it was great education, I, and you know, my first job coming out of University of Alabama, I got hired by, I don't know if you know Richard Arnold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. At the time in 2000, because February, January 2007, he was working at the Secretary of State's office in the Publications Division, hmm. and that's where I worked. Uh, our main, the main thing we did there, we were in charge of all the blue books, they got distributed everywhere. Oh, I think got yeah, yeah, publishing those. Yeah. Uh, we also did edits to all rules and regulations of the state of Tennessee has. Okay. Uh, code books, regulations. We'd go in there and edit it after legislature changed the rules. Mm. So it'd be publicized in rules and regs books sure. or Tennessee code annotated. Sounds riveting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was. I was thankful to have the job, uh, you know, and because it, it wasn't – very, it was it was a job that allowed me. It wasn't that stressful, so I could still you know focus on studies and mm-hmm. have a you know fairly. Uh, it was a job that it didn't it wasn't going to wear me out. Sure, and you know I could still get through the first first year of law school. So, uh, but I did that for about a year and a half. Uh, now the second job I had in law school was probably one of the best jobs 
than any law student would ever want. I got hired on uh, in January of 2009 to be a law clerk and a court officer. And what I mean by court officer, that's not a, a bailiff who's got a, a gun and can arrest people. It's somebody who basically takes care of a jury during a jury trial. Hmm. Um, but I got hired on in Williamson County by the circuit court judges there. Hmm. I worked for four of them. Uh, at the time, it was Judge Jeff Bivens, who is now a Supreme Court judge, State of Tennessee. Judge Tim Easter, who is now in the Court of Criminal Appeals. Uh, judge Robbie Bill, who is he is retired from being a judge. He works in private practice in Franklin now. And Judge Jim Martin, who is still a circuit court judge in Williamson County. And the reason why I say it was a, it was a great job for me, I, I worked there for about three years. So I was in court every day. Uh, and basically, you know, one month I'd be in criminal court. And, you know, the way they did criminal court, Mondays and Tuesdays were, were plea, motion, docket call days. And I would sit there. My main job on those days would was to be, you know, I'd, any exhibit. They had to go to the judge and hand it to the judge. Uh, you know, the judge would take breaks and let the lawyers discuss cases in the back room or the jury room there. And I would keep the judge informed of what's going on in the docket. You know, hey, this case is ready for a motion. Um, you know, this case is ready. These pleas are ready. And then I would also... The rest, Monday or Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays were jury days. So a jury would be called in, you know, they'd have DUIs, they'd have anywhere from, you know, murder cases, sex, child sex abuse cases. Um, but they tried a lot of DUIs in Williamson County. And my job as the law clerk or the court officer was to, uh, I would have to stand up there. I would, when they would call the jury, I'd call the names in the box. And once the jury was picked, I was in charge of them. Like, I showed them where the jury room was, if they needed anything, if they needed a note during, you know, the trial. I'd get the note, tell the judge, like, hey, think about a question. Um, and one of the things I learned pretty quick, when they were deliberate, you know, the trial's over with, my job was to sit there by the door and make sure, you know, if they needed anything, and I can hear them talking and deliberating. Yeah. And that's when I figured out pretty quick, you never know what a jury's thinking, man. I mean, it, it's kind of it's, it was wild, some of the things that they would, would brought up in a, during jury deliberation. Huh. So you could be sitting there listening yeah. to the whole thing. You're like, all right, I, I kind of get a yeah. feel. And then you sit in there listening to them. You're like, oh, boy. Yeah. And you get a practice. I mean, because I did that during the day. And at night, you know, two or three nights a week, I'd go and have class. Mm. So I get to see, you know, watch DAs, what they did, watch what criminal good defense lawyers did, watch arguments, uh, watch how the court ruled. It was very practical education. And then, you know, I do that. I'll do criminal court one month, and the next month I would do uh, civil court. And that was mostly divorce court. And I learned pretty quick, sitting through those uh, hearings, that I I did not want to do a lot of divorce work because it, <laughs> it seemed like it was... Though it was lucrative, especially in Williamson County, it was it was a headache. Sure, and a lot of personal issues. Yes, that I just I was more drawn to criminal work. Yeah, you know, but that was a great job. I really 
I thoroughly enjoy, enjoyed that job. Yeah, especially uh, going to class and doing – you're seeing it during the day and learning it kind of more exactly. detail at night. So exactly. you can kind of – as you're sitting there listening yeah. to everybody, you can kind of sit there and just picture yourself in that moment. Like, okay. Absolutely. This is actually – this school is actually going to apply to me when I get out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not exactly. learning, you know, physics or, you know, third algebra or anything yeah. like that that you'll never use again. But um, cool. Okay. And so, so I started law school in February of 07, and I graduated December 10th, and then I had to take the bar exam. And, you know, I'm, you know, the bar exam is a, it is basically two days, and it's pretty much everything you learned in those four years crammed into two days. So you took four years of... Yeah, it's, it's a four. Well, not because it's a night school, it's a four year program. Okay. With most, pretty much all full time programs are three years. Okay. Yeah. But because Nashville's it's spread out in a night school, you can't go to school every day mm-hmm. or four or five times a week. Um, it's spread out in a four year program. So uh, the bar exam is a very difficult task to, to overcome, uh, it'll test you mentally. And, you know, it took me to the third time to, uh, to be successful. And, you know, they only give that test two times a year. Oh, boy. In February and in October. So, you know, the first time I took it, I was two points away. Uh, you know, I was working at the same time. I was still working mm-hmm. at, at the, uh, being a law clerk. Second time I took it, I was six points away. And after that... I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to I'm gonna quit my job, and I'm going to, at the clerk's office, being a law clerk, and I'm just going to dedicate, you know, six weeks to, to studying this bar, for this bar exam. And, uh, and that's what I did, and I, I was successful. Cool. And, uh, you know, during that time frame, I learned a lot about adversity hmm. and how to overcome disappointment and how to just keep fighting through it and ultimately uh, getting to your goal, which was to pass the bar exam and become a lawyer in the state of Tennessee. And that's what I did. Yeah, you know, you did. I, I, I did it the hard way. Sure. Uh, but I learned a lot about myself. And it made me a, it made me a stronger person, to tell you the truth. Just, it taught me how to deal with adversity. Yeah. And, you know, well, looking yeah. back, it was very disappointing and very hard to deal with during that time frame but it made me definitely made me a better person yeah and you start off kind of right off the bat with it too um because yeah. i mean i'm sure there's no there's no adversity in the courtroom is there <laughs> no. oh there's plenty of adversity <laughs> yes, sir. uh yeah so i mean you, it, it kind of i guess was a reality check as far as all right you know um this is not going to be, you know, just a walk in the park with how everything goes. And this yeah. is a this is a real serious deal. And you know, you're walking into a serious profession. Obviously, you've got people's livelihoods in your hand. And um, you know, it's it's good that uh, you know the system, you know, kind of requires you to yeah. be able to pass such a tough test. And um, you know, they they don't take it lightly. They don't absolutely, absolutely not. Uh, so I passed the bar exam in April of 2012, and. Before that, there's a time frame between February and April. Um, I actually worked at a firm here for a little bit. Was, at the time, it was Brogdon Creasy and Sanders. Uh, David Brogdon 
uh, Jerry Creasy and Kyle Sanders, but they have since uh, split their own their own ways. But I worked for them for a little bit. Uh, it was a good experience there. I actually I sent second chair with uh, Jerry Creasy on a trial. Hmm. I think it was a domestic assault trial in, in Waverly, Humphrey County. Second chair? I was the second lawyer. Yeah, just I, I, I didn't really do anything to prep. I just sure. sat there and, you know, I helped uh, Jared Creasy kind of pick the jury and just kind of watch. And um, But I passed in April of 2012, and I decided that I would just uh, I would hang a shingle, go out on my own. And I, I just, at that point, I thought the best place for me to do that uh, would be Williamson County because I'd, you know, I'd been working there for the past three or four years, and I knew, I knew the judges, I knew the DA's office, I knew, I had a lot of contacts there, much, much more contacts there than I do, you know, now in Dixon County. Mm-hmm. Um, hung a shingle. I uh, rented some office space from a lawyer in downtown Franklin, uh, and that. That building was full of other lawyers. There were some criminal defense lawyers. There was civil lawyers. And I mostly did pretty much 80 to 85% was criminal criminal defense work. And okay. I, I had to hustle. I mean, I went uh, take clients in Williamson County. I would go to Hitman County, was a county that was in the judicial, same judicial district as Williamson County at the time. I'd go to Hitman County. Uh, I went to Dixon County. Um, pretty much anywhere anybody would pay me for sure. my legal services, I would go. And you, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, didn't get much, much trial exp- I did that for about a year. And, you know, I didn't get any, I got a, I didn't get any jury trial experience, but I got courtroom experience uh, as much as you can. I, I mean, because you're in the court, I mean, I was going to court, you know, two or three days a week. Um, but it was good, and there was another lawyer in that in that building where I rented from. He was a civil lawyer, and he said one of his friends they they owned a, a plaintiff's firm in in Nashville, and he's like, man, they're looking for a uh, an associate to hire. And I was like, at that point, I was like, you know what? What what I'd lose, you know? I'll just go in there and interview and see what happens. I interviewed. Uh, it was a what I mean by plaintiff's firm. It's uh, you know personal injury, uh, car wreck case, um, workers' compensation. Dealing with it's, a lot of insurance companies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dixon Insurance. Yeah. yeah, you know exactly. You know you know the deal. Yeah. And I got hired. I was fortunate enough to get hired, um, but I quickly just found out it just wasn't for me. Um, I, I missed being in the courtroom. Um, so where were these? You know, where were these being held? What do you mean? If you weren't in the court, like the cases, I mean, oh, the, oh, just we, you know, you would get Kate, people would call call in your office, like, hey, okay. I got injured. You know, you go interview the person. You would start a case. Uh, you know, you would start a case, and you know, you file a claim with the insurance company. You, the first person you would talk to you before you filed a lawsuit was a insurance adjuster. Yeah, you would try to get it settled there, and if you couldn't, you you'd file a lawsuit, and you'd have a year to do that. Depending on the injury, um, you know. So those are mainly just dealt with in. Yeah, office. and then, you know, you have to do depositions. You yeah. know, you know, depositions, of doctors, uh, physical therapists, you know, clients, uh, defendants, 
and it just just that line of work just wasn't for me. Hmm. Um, I miss the courtroom. I miss the action, mm-hmm. you know. And I heard that there was a uh, at the time. This was in 2013. I heard that there was going to be an opening at the DA's office back home in Dixon. And at that time, at that time, uh, General Dan Osbrooks was the elected DA. And there was an opening. And I uh, got an interview with uh, with General Osbrooks, and he hired me mm. in October of 2013. And I'm very thankful for that opportunity he gave me because I've been an assistant DA for going on nine years, and it has been a, an awesome opportunity and a great job. It's been very satisfying for me. Um, I love this job, but... I'm looking for just for the next step of my my legal career, and that's why that's one of the reasons I'm running for general session judge, and we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, so you so you passed the bar in April of twelve, mm-hmm. right? And then yep. um, kind of did a few things in between um, then, and I guess October of thirteen, um, and then you've been in this same spot for would you say nine years? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yes, sir. Nine years. So. Yeah. Um, you know, you're now at a at a crossroad here as far as kind of what your next move is, and you've obviously made the decision. And um, you know, maybe would you mind diving into, I guess, a couple um, highlights, some accomplishments throughout those nine years, some things that um, you know really kept that flame lit. Um, you know, obviously, you're you're you've tried out you. Something I always like to say to myself is you don't know what you want to you know what you don't want kind of thing. That's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and even, you know, and those happen in equal and opposite proportions as well, too. I mean, the more you know about what you don't want, the more, you know, you know more in detail about what um, what it is that you do want. So um, I guess throughout those kind of nine years, maybe some trials and tribulations that, um, you know, and I'm sure you maybe had some questions about, you know, what was going on um, throughout that journey and, and kind of. Um, you know, obviously, um, a smart guy and, and, and kind of think about the future. So, um, just kind of where your mind was at in those nine years and, and some of the things that you went through that, that finally led to, you know, your decision to, to run for judge. Absolutely. I'd love to. So I counted this up the other day. I've tried 44 jury trials Whoa. since I've been a prosecutor. Um, my first job when I was hired in 2013, I was the DUI prosecutor for because our district we've got five counties in our judicial district it's the 23rd judicial district there's stewart county houston county humphreys county dixon county and cheatham county Um, and the dui prosecutor prosecutes all the duis vehicular homicides and vehicular assaults in dixon cheatham and humphreys county it's actually a a federal grant. Um, well, I don't get paid federally. Uh, at that time, I didn't. I get I, they pay the state of Tennessee, which the state of Tennessee pays me or pays that position. And right out of the gate, you know, I, first month I was there, I tried a case, tried the first DUI case. Uh, I probably tried, you know, one or two DUIs a month when I was doing that, hmm. uh, and I did that from. Let's see. March of 2015 is when, at that point, Ray Crouch had been elected the DA. Uh, March of 2015, Ray took me out of the uh, 
DUI slot and put me in a uh, the slot. In, I was a prosecutor for Houston County. Uh, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Aaron, Tennessee, but that's that's Houston County. Mm-hmm. And my job there was to prosecute every crime that's that was committed there, from a public intox to a first degree murder. You know, circuit court, which circuit court is cases involving felonies and misdemeanors, but the, in circuit court you have the opportunity to have a jury trial. Uh, I did general sessions court, um, juvenile court, everything. And from 2015 to, I guess, last January, uh, my obligations kind of got shifted a little bit because uh, assistant DA Kerry Thompson retired, and he was assigned to circuit court in Dixon County. And circuit court in Dixon County... The caseload in Dixon County is we have four assistant DAs that handle that. I'm one of them now because hmm. the caseload's so large. Um, you know, in Houston County, one one DA can just handle all the caseload. It's not the caseload is not as large as it is, which makes sense because the population is not as big. So, Kerry retired. Uh, Ray then assigned me. You know, you're going to be assigned, you're going to have a caseload in Dixon County Circuit Court, but you're going to keep your caseload in Houston County Circuit. Hmm. And I don't do any more general sessions court in Houston County or juvenile court, but I still go over there for circuit court. Hmm. And right now, so this month in January, I was in Dixon County. Next month, February, I'll be in Houston County. It kind of switches every other month. Okay. So, uh, and I've... I've tried, man, of those 44 cases, you know, I tried my first first degree murder case back in April of this year. Oh, boy. Uh, it, the trial actually occurred in Dixon County, or the trial happened in Dixon County. It was a week-long trial. Uh, involved a, uh, the defendant was a man who killed his wife. Uh, the case originally the case it occurred in Houston County, but we changed the venue prior to COVID, um, because the victim worked in the county clerk's office and she was pretty well known, mm. and so we just agreed to change it to Dixon County. Uh, is that a pretty lengthy task to do something, or is that kind of like uh, it's understandable? Yeah, I mean, most of the time, I mean, okay. the, the worst thing you want to do as a prosecutor is try a case two times, yeah, because of an issue like that. Mm. So at that point. We looked at it as like we have nothing to lose, you know. We might as well change the venue, yeah. You know, because we don't, we don't want to have to, you know, try it in Houston County and then the guy's convicted on first degree murder, and then an issue come up on a pill where we have to try it again because, uh, you know, the Court of Criminal Appeals says the defendant, uh, you know, his rights are violated because the jury was they knew they knew everybody. The mm-hmm. jury was tainted. And he should get a new trial and a new venue. We don't want that to happen. Mm-mm. That's the last thing you want to happen. So it's better to head that off at the front end. And, uh, you know, it was nice because that that courthouse in Dixon County is incredible. I don't know if you've been to it. Not yet. No, I know leadership uh, just went through there, I guess, last week. Um, but it has definitely been a huge asset to this cool. county. Um, the courtrooms are pretty large. Uh, just the whole, and you know the county commission, and you know props to the county commission and Mayor Bob Ralph for getting that done because 
it is something our county definitely needed. Uh, everything's upgraded technology-wise. Uh, it's just a huge asset. Yeah. And uh, I was fun trying the case in there. Uh, ended up being he was convicted of second-degree murder. Um, How does that happen? A lot of people, you know, these these days, this day and age, in my so it's view, first degree premeditated, premeditated, okay. premeditated murder. You got to prove that he intentionally and premeditations. I mean, this we can go on. We can oh, go sure. for three hours yeah. on this. You know, <laughs> on pre what premeditation is. You know, it can be argued that premeditation can happen in a snap, like sure. two or three seconds, or it can be you know months where you're planning it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, it's my belief that's what the because a second degree murder is just a knowing killing. Like a lot of times, heat of a passion murder. Mm-hmm. You know, you just lose your mind and kill somebody. Kill somebody. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so we argued it was premeditation. Um, and I think that's 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 the issue. Why the jury came back on second degree? Mm. I guess they didn't think that there was enough um, forethought or premeditation to go first degree so but the guy ended up he's already been sentenced he got sentenced to the maximum 25 years to serve hmm. so uh the, the victim's family they were happy with that okay i think he's 53 years old 55 years old so do you have a violent history or anything no he didn't just nope. a, well no he didn't just i'm sure you see quite a bit of that that just yeah, yeah. comes across your desk and you're like yeah. what the hell yeah yeah uh but let's see what else I'm, I tried that. I tried a false report case. That was the last trial I had in Houston County, which was not guilty. And I'm, I'm still kind of upset about that. But, yeah. you know, I've got to get over it. Uh, I've tried arson cases. I've tried illegal drug sale cases where, you know, law enforcement will, will send in a CI to buy drugs off somebody. Um, multiple DUIs. I've tried vehicular homicides. I've tried two pretty hard-fought vehicular homicides in, in Houston County when I was at... Uh, and are those just mainly deal when they're intoxicated or... Yeah, okay. it's, you got one of the One of the elements you have to prove in order to get an eviction on vehicular homicide is intoxication. Okay. Whether it be alcohol or drugs or a combination of both. Okay. Um, one of the ones that is probably the most... Awful one I ever tried was um, awful. Was, I mean, fact pattern. This individual uh, was a vehicle homicide where he killed a young family. I think the male, the the boyfriend was twenty years old, the girlfriend was nineteen, and they had a twelve day old baby. Oh no! Ugh. And he, it was a horrible wreck on Highway Thirteen. And he got ejected from the his his truck, and he got sent to the hospital. And we kind of had to prove intoxication by circumstantial evidence, because um, we had a urine test. And so he it was very that, he did. Yeah. And the jury came back. Uh, his urine was positive for, I believe, it was methamphetamine and oxycodone. Hmm. That's a heavy combination. Um, and the way he acted uh, at the hospital. I mean, we had to tie in a lot of things to prove intoxication. His driving, evidence of the crash. And, you know, these vehicle homicide cases, the Tennessee Highway Patrol investigates those, and they have got a team called the CERT team, uh, Critical Incident Response Team. 
And those guys are experts in crash reconstruction. And, man, they are great. Mm. They are a great asset to prosecutors and to the uh, state of Tennessee. Um, they come in with a booklet, and it's got everything in there. You know, uh, crash, they've got diagrams, crash reconstruction. I mean, everything. Everything about all the individuals involved in the crash. Uh, they do a really great job. Cool. Um, but he was convicted on, he was charged with three counts of vehicular homicide for each victim. And he was convicted and he actually got sentenced to serve 36 years. Mm. Well, uh, well but, I'm sure that was a big win for you. It was. Yeah. Um, you know, I've tried the worst cases to try, in my opinion, are child sex abuse cases. Yeah. Those are absolute worst. Um, we see a lot of those here in this county. Unfortunately, yes. Hmm. Um, you know, it's those are just tough because you, especially if the victims, you know, five to ten years old, hmm. it's tough. Any, you know, the victims, you know, eighteen with any victim of sex abuse. Um, but those those aren't as easy as people Mm-mm. try to think they're they will be to prosecute. Even if there's just an insurmountable amount of evidence dealing with the child in that yeah. case, too. and But th- those are definitely the toughest ones yeah. to do. Looking somebody yeah. in the eye that's done that to somebody would be... <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard not to jump across the uh, jump across exactly. there and just start swinging. But exactly. uh, I guess it'd be a little unprofessional on your part. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but being an assistant DA and... You know, working for General Ray Crouch, it's been a a great experience for me. Good. Um, it's definitely molded me. Uh, and the experiences I've had being an assistant DA, um, you know, the contacts I've made, the people I've met, um, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Sure. And you've yeah. gotten familiar with the processes of everything and yeah. how Dixon kind of how Dixon works. And absolutely, um, have obviously tried. You know cases from from a to z of all all different types and um all different results and all different people as well too and in multiple different places so um you know, you've got your wings spread and, and and a lot of experience under your belt for for being so young as well too um a lot of energy and um so so uh, you you've, you've you've gone through these nine years when was it about that you started thinking you know i i think i may be interested in running for judge i would say probably Probably about two years ago. Okay. I started talking to Sarah Grace about it. Cool. And Sarah Grace is my wife, yes. by the way. Um, and, you know, I talked, to, I talked to a few people and just kind of molded over. And, you know, I said, I thought to myself, you know, um, the way I look at it, you know, I'm not an elected official. Um, Ray Crouch is the elected DA. But, you know, being an assistant DA, you represent the state of Tennessee. And the way I look at it, when I walk in that courtroom and I'm about to try a case or I'm about to go do anything, I represent the state of Tennessee. And my little part of the state of Tennessee, who I represent, or Dixon County, Houston County, all the counties in this district, all the people who live in these counties. Um, and I, the way I look at it, I serve those people when I go to try a case. And... Looking at, you know, this position, Dixon County General Sessions Judge, it's another opportunity for me, another challenge for me 
to serve Dixon County, and it's the citizens of Dixon County in a different way. Mm. And that would be to be a uh, elected judge. Yeah. Um, just a different challenge, uh, but you're serving the same people, the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, uh, so why don't, why don't you just maybe, I guess, dive in the details as far as um, what the position would entail, you know, okay. kind of um, what that what General Sessions you know, judge does. and Yeah, a lot, a lot of people don't, they get confused. They don't know uh, exactly how the court system works. So basically a General Sessions judge in, in Tennessee um, – here in Dixon County, there's one general sessions judge. Uh, now, a different, like Davidson County, uh, where the population is a lot more, they've got 10 or 12 general sessions judges. Mm-hmm. Uh, a general sessions judge, they handle both civil and criminal cases. Um, so, in criminal court, uh, let's just take, for example, how, how does a case, how does a person find themselves in general sessions court? Um, so let's say somebody driving down the road, they're intoxicated. They get pulled over. They get charged with a DUI. Their arrest warrant is issued, and they're arrested on the spot for that DUI. Once that arrest warrant occurs, uh, you know they can make bond. Uh, if they make bond, they'll be given a court date. That court date, that first court they go to is the Dixon County General Sessions Court. Mm. Uh, that's where it all starts. And in criminal court, so a general sessions judge has jurisdiction over all misdemeanors, all felonies. But if somebody is charged, like DUI is an a, a DUI first is an A misdemeanor. And what an A misdemeanor is, the, the maximum punishment for an A misdemeanor is 11 months and 29 days in the county jail to serve. That's mm-hmm. the maximum you can get. Now, that doesn't always happen. Most of the time, people will plead a misdemeanor, and they'll be put on probation for 11 months and 29 days. But if it's a DUI, you know, they'll have to serve 48 hours in jail. So a judge, a general sessions judge can dispose of all misdemeanors. By dispose, I mean they can, somebody can go in there, that person who got pulled over for that DUI can go in there with their lawyer or without a lawyer, or if they hire the public, or if the public defender is appointed to them, they can go in there and plead guilty to that misdemeanor in front of the general sessions judge. Now, if somebody is charged with a felony, like aggravated assault, uh, which is assault with a deadly weapon or if, uh, severe injury occurs due to the assault, that person who is charged with that aggravated assault walks into general sessions court. They cannot sit in there and say, Judge, I want to plead to this felony. Hmm. doesn't happen. They cannot plead to a felony in general sessions court. So what happens if, if somebody is charged with a felony in General Sessions Court, they've got a couple of options. Same, same way with misdemeanors. Um, you go in there, and you can have what they call a preliminary hearing. Um, and that is a probable cause hearing in front of a General Sessions judge in which the judge hears proof on, uh, you know, from the arresting officer, any other witnesses, a victim, possibly. Uh, usually the defendant, the defendant usually don't testify during, during a probable cause hearing. And if a judge determines after hearing all the proof that there's enough probable cause that, a, that that defendant committed that crime, whether it be DUI or aggravated assault, 
the case is bound over to the Dixon County Grand Jury, which is kind of the same. That's another probable cause hearing uh, or presentment in which, you know, our office, the DA's office and law enforcement go in to the grand jurors and they present the case to the grand jurors and they decide to return an indictment based on probable cause. So um, the general sessions judge also, he can also handle violations of probation Hmm. on misdemeanor charges. Say that person who pled guilty to the DUI and got on probation for 11 months and 29 days, if later, like three or four months down the road, he violates his probation, which means he commits another crime, he doesn't report, doesn't pass a drug screen, then a violation of probation warrant will be issued on him, and he'll go back in front of the judge and, you know, Either the DA's office will settle, have a settle, and, and you know the person's defense lawyer will agree on a settlement on the on the violation of probation, or there could be a violation of probation hearing, hmm. in which it, it's the judge's discretion to determine whether or not to make them service, make that person serve their sentence, put them back out on probation after serving you know thirty or forty five more days. It's really up to his his or her discretion, the judge's discretion. Okay. Um, now, as far as criminal case or civil cases, I'm sorry, uh, a general sessions judge can handle any civil suits that are no more than twenty five thousand dollars. Okay. So, you know, if I come in there, I want to sue Michael Shepard for ten grand. I can do it in general sessions court. Okay. Um, for anything. It, it, well, yeah. I mean, like you, you know, stole a statue cut. out of my yard or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so. And also, uh, another thing that a general sessions judge, they hear uh, violation protection hearings. Uh, somebody comes in and they want to get a what they call an ex parte, uh, or, or I'm sorry, order protection hearings. Uh, protect, uh, ex parte order protection, which they go to the clerk's office and they say, hey, this, this person is bothering me. He's texting me. He's harassing me. I want to get an ex parte order protection you know, I think it's for 15 days. There should be no contact between the, the named person and that order. Um, and then eventually it'll go to a hearing once that ex parte order is served on the person who's allegedly doing the harassing. Uh, they hear those those types of hearings. So um, it's a very important court because it's it's usually... The first court that anybody goes to. Hmm. Like, if you go down the road and get a speeding ticket in the county um, and you want to contest that, it'll go in front of General Sessions Court. Okay. Um, so. Is that usually a losing battle there, seemingly? I would think so. I mean, yeah. all, I mean that's that's the you judge's got, discretion. You, you know, sure. it's, it's, you know, it's usually, and our office usually, we usually don't, the DA's office doesn't prosecute those. I, and I might be wrong in this, but I think most of the time in traffic court, it's usually just the officer who uh, wrote the citation for speeding and the person who was cited for speeding. Hmm. So that's up to you know, it's the judge's discretion on sure on uh, on what to do with that. So, so you know, and, and kind of your thoughts on you know, I know we were kind of texting back and forth on this a little earlier, but. Um, you know, your thoughts in running and, and kind of how you would go about it and, and some of the things that you would do should you get elected. 
Um, I know that we may not have a solution to it, but one of the things you had brought up was kind of the drug treatment um, I say issue, but but it seems kind of like a roundabout issue. Um, some things that are going on there as far as um, uh, how the process is going, how it's handled, and kind yeah. of how it seems that uh, there may not be at the moment, um, you know, a helpful solution to, to how that process works. Well, yeah, I mean, this whole state has an opioid mm-hmm. issue, uh, whether it be fentanyl, heroin. Uh, you know, when I first started out at the DA's office, a lot of people were doing pills, you know, oxycodone, uh, hydrocodone, and that that's kind of subsided. Now it's all fentanyl and heroin. Regardless of that, I mean, there... <laughs> And this is an issue that's in circuit court and in general sessions court. You know, some people, they come into court and these their defendants, you know, whether it be they've been charged with a crime or they're, it's, they're on there for violating their probation and they're in jail. And, you know, they express that, that they need some, tr- some drug treatment. And, you know, I'm not against drug treatment at all. Um, I just want to make sure that, you know, as a DA too, that you go, the person who is wanting it really wants it and needs the help and wants it. Um, and that's some of the things, you know, you know, as a prosecutor, you, you have a lot of discretion, uh, you know, whether or not, because a lot of the times, well, I'll, I'll get back to that later. Going back to this issue with, with people who criminal defendants who are seeking drug treatment, and the issues we have with that. So they come to court. Uh, most of the time, they're in, they're incarcerated. They want to get furloughed to a drug treatment facility, and there's some great ones around here. Um, but sometimes, you know, a furlough will be granted. They'll get out. And these treatment facilities, they're inpatient. Um, a lot of the times, the issue we're having is that they'll just, these criminal defendants will walk out. And in the furlough order, it's stated in there, if you you know don't complete the program and you leave, you're going to be charged with felony escape. And that's what happens. So is there no, or maybe none, but is there just kind of, I guess, a lack of security? Or, I mean, how, how I easy is it for someone to walk out I, of See, that's something I, I, couldn't, I can't answer that question. Okay. You know, because I don't... I personally haven't been to any of these trips, mm-hmm. so that's something that I would, I want to do. I'd, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to go and and visit them and, you know, walk around them and you know, take a tour. Uh, but it's really, I mean, I don't think they can, and I, they can't. I don't know if they can't force them to be there. You know, if they want to walk out, they can just walk out. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know they'll be charged with, with a felony escape. They know most of the time, most of the time, you know, it's no bond held without hmm. hold for hearing, no bond, and they're right back in jail. Um, you know, just looking, you know, I pulled this from the uh, the clerk's office in General Sessions Court from February second of twenty eighteen to June first of twenty twenty. There were fifty three. Uh, escape arrest warrants issued and served on defendants for felony escape wow. in that time frame. 
And I don't, I just bought based off this list, I don't know if all of those were based on them leaving a furlough status. I mean, it could be a number of things. It could be, you know, they, they escaped from the jail, uh, they, which usually doesn't happen. Uh, they, you know, were on a work crew and escaped from that work crew that day when they were out, which doesn't really happen very often. I would say 95% of the time they're charged with escape because they left the treatment facility mm. or violated their furlough by leaving a treatment facility. And, you know, I don't know what the solution to this issue is. Uh, you know, it is definitely something that I would look into if, if elected. Um, you know, I think drug treatment is necessary because the ultimate goal is to try to get people who have this problem um, off the drugs because most of the time people commit crimes who are on drugs because they want to feed their drug habit. They break into houses, they steal things, and they get charged with theft, burglary, because um, they, they don't have any money to, to feed their drug habit. they got to steal things to do it. And the goal of treatment is to try to get them off the drugs so they're a productive member of society. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the solution is. Um, you know, I, I know in circuit court there's a drug court, drug court program um, that I have, you know, I personally as a DA, assistant DA, have um, entered into the plea agreements where I've sent defendants to drug court. Um uh, and they've got a pretty good uh, rate of su- of success. Uh, it's been going on for a long time. Judge Birch started it, and um, Judge uh, Lockhart Mash is the one who who handles drug court now. She's got her own her own team, and it's pretty it's a pretty good way of of holding uh, people accountable mm. who go through a drug treatment program, in my opinion. And I don't know if if that's if that's a solution, I don't know. It's a lot of moving parts to do that. Yeah. If, if a drug court needs to be started in general sessions, uh, but it's something I would, I would definitely look into. Sure. You know, anything to help the cause. Yeah. You know, it, uh, it kind of almost makes you think. You know, what's, uh, what's the origin of the drug abuse in the first place? Yeah. You know, I mean, did, should should A, B, and C not have happened? Would they be in front of you in the first place? You know, and does that exactly. does that come down yeah. to? You know, uh, family life or yeah. um, you know early childhood abuse or it's a number um, of issues. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, you're you're you know, we're trying to think of a solution to something that you know, there's there's you know probably fifteen twenty different issues yeah. that have gone on before to to create that type of drug problem. And you know, I was talking to someone the other day. I don't. I think it was a police officer saying that. Um, you know that 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 Dixon may be starting to get or has had a little bit of an MS13 type problem of people kind of running around here um you know not necessarily hardcore gangs but yeah um definitely w- with the location of of where Dixon is as far as um you know it being plopped right in between three kind of major districts oh, yeah. um and then you know the last set of lights before Jackson for the most part so yep. um you know I'm sure that there's a lot of it running through here and a lot of access to it, uh, unfortunately. And, um, you know, the, the, the way this county set up, I guess the 
you know, the, the median income of the family isn't, you know, and, and really, I, I guess you working in Nashville and Williamson County and, and now Dixon, really, drug problems aren't necessarily, obviously, kind of way lower income is you're going to see a higher rate of it. But I'm sure that there's still some some issues, maybe not from getting caught of the dealing part of it or something like that. But, um, you know, drug issues kind of span across all. That's correct. Different types of people. That's correct. Yeah. Um, shouldn't be pigeonholed into to somebody that you know that's just that doesn't have any money or, or lives kind of a lower lifestyle that's true um yeah all right so you're you're uh you're officially on the campaign trail i am you're officially am. on the campaign trail and you've um you've sponsored trivia at furnace i, I sure appreciate I that um uh, you, I will be attending the Delta Waterfowl Banquet. That's correct. With um, all the who's who of Dixon. Looking forward uh, to it. Yeah, cool. It's going to be a good time. A good time. Um, so, what's you know, what kind of what's your plan? How you? We we've gotten kind of through who you are and yeah. general sessions and um, kind of the things that you're advocating for. But uh, you know, my my cousin Stacy is has just gone through a, a pretty um, lengthy campaign trail and. Um, you know, my my uncle was uh, state rep for a, for a while, and and so I've I've kind of been around. And, and Mike was um, father in law was head of the Republican Party here for a little bit. So, you know, I've been in the proximity of campaign oh, yeah. trails, and I can understand yep. how draining they can be. But you know, kind of what's what's next for you? What are your next stops? What are you planning on doing? Let's see. Actually, Thursday morning, I'm planning on going to the Chamber Coffee event, cool. Um, cool. and then. Let's see. I think February fifth. You know, there's a uh, breakfast at the Charlotte Masonic Lodge. Okay. Delta Waterfall on the eighth. Uh, I believe Leslie Shelton, who's running for uh, General Sessions clerk, she's got a campaign kickoff on the twentieth. I'll be okay. at that. And I actually called the clerk's office earlier. I pick up my petition on the seventh. Okay. So. Hopefully I can get some signatures at the Delta Waterfall event. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking to Have if you know, anybody's going to there, I'd love to meet everybody who's going there. Cool. You know, uh, shake as many hands as possible, uh, get as many signatures as possible that night. Yeah. Um, How many do you need to have? You can have 25, okay. but you know, I'd like to have a lot more than that. Sure. You know, um, so. I'm sure you can knock it out. Yeah. yeah. So how? Yeah. So um, are you? So you've got a kickoff? A kickoff oh, yeah. party already planned yeah. too as well. Yeah. I mean, the works of a campaign kickoff, uh, looking like mid March, beginning of March. Uh, I think actually first or second week of March. So I will definitely announce that on my Facebook page, cool. Instagram. Okay. And I'll, you know, anybody's welcome. Uh, we got a venue. We just got iron out. Uh, I got a venue tentative date. Just gonna iron out the details and okay. go from there. So cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, you should get, get time. You should get uh, yeah. Gwendy to start doing TikToks for you. No, I'm sure she'd do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she would. She would love that. I'll drive yeah. by on leave. She would definitely just love that. See y'all out in the yard making oh, yeah. a TikTok. God, man, she's Gwendy. Uh, she's Gwendy's. Uh, Gwendy's my nine year old, and she is full of energy. She it's is. ass. She's a sweetheart. Man. Yeah, uh, we're fortunate, service because like you know. A lot of kids, you know, like, I mean, she does get on her iPad. Sure. But she loves to be outside. Sure. She loves, we got a U-shaped drive, uh, driveway, and she's got a bike, she's got a scooter. 
Uh, she's got an electric scooter that goes about 25 miles an hour. It's pink, and she loves riding that thing. <laughs> you know. Well, good. We got yeah. Andy Rose one of those, my daughter, for yeah. Christmas. So hopefully yeah. maybe we can bring her over, and, and yeah. can because Andy Rose won't get on it. She'll get on it when, <laughs> when I'm driving, but she will not get on it. I can't even get her to ride a bike. She just pitches oh. a fit. So. Oh, well, Gwenny has she has no fear whatsoever. <laughs> like. And it's not we, a bad thing. And then we get the we got a one and a half year old Willa Willa Grace, and she's all over the place too. So that's awesome. It's fairly busy at our house. We got a lot of girls any, in your household. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so with all the official stuff you've got going on, I know you've got a little bit of a personal life and obviously yeah. a family life too. So, um, you know, what is what does Talmadge like to do when he's when he's when he's not <laughs> trying cases or running running for judge or. Does a hobby account keeping up with nine, nine, a nine-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old? Because that's, that's a lot of my time. That's exactly you know? right, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm an avid outdoorsman. Yeah. You know, I enjoy, uh, you know, deer hunting, duck hunting, turkey hunting. Um, I like to cook and grill. I've got a big green egg. Nice. I, I like, you know, I enjoy that. Um uh, physical fitness, you know. Uh, Mika workouts. Yes. Oh, good Lord. AM workouts, man. Yeah. If I didn't have my AM workouts, I don't know what I would do, man. Sure. It's such a day yeah. off, right? It's And it's just, a mental, mental health-wise, it's just good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, stress reliever. Um, other than that, you know, sporting events, just hanging out with the family, hanging yeah. out with Sarah Grace. Yeah. You know. It's important to kind of keep that balance, though. Absolutely. You know, we can we can all too often get too caught up in kind of you know what we've got going Absolutely. on, and Absolutely. Um, you know you're lucky that you've got a, a good support system too. You know that's that's going to be everything here yeah. for the next several months, and yeah, um, you know, but just to kind of keep that balance, like you said, yeah. it's 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 really easy nowadays in the hustle bustle of life, and yep. um, you know, goal achievements, and 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 trying to really. Um, practice that service to others um over service to self can can be a little overwhelming at times absolutely um, absolutely cool Uh, it's good to have a good support system i've got one here in dixon county absolutely yeah Yeah, and you've and you've been here for a while you've you've got a good family history and um you know hard worker as well too absolutely so obviously a lot of experience and um you know, best of luck with everything. Can I say just one thing? You yeah, know, this is absolutely. kind of, uh, you know, you know, in my career, my legal career, both, and this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm running for judge. You know, my, my legal career is both as a criminal defense lawyer and as a prosecutor. Um, you know, I've worked with, I've worked with victims. I've worked with law enforcement officers, families, victims, families, defendants, defendants, families, um, and the most the most important thing I can come off of, of being in this this line of work is that that I know you have to be fair and respectful to all parties involved in the legal system, um, and that's the only way to conduct yourself. Um, and I've learned that you can't be afraid to make the right decision, even though if, it might be unpopular or might upset some people. Mm-hmm. And if I'm fortunate enough to be elected uh, Dixon County General Sessions Judge, I'm tell the people right now, I'd handle the job like I'll, I've had, like I've done it as a criminal defense lawyer and, a, and as a prosecutor. I'd uh, treat everyone fairly and with respect, uh, listen, listen to each side and their arguments, follow the law, and I wouldn't be afraid to make 
uh, the proper decision, even though it might, it might be the tougher one. Yeah. And I just wanted to get that out and let everybody know that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, um, that was a, a, a solid statement. Um, sitting here in the room with him, it felt um, wholehearted and <laughs> yeah, truthful. So, it is. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, and, and, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, that, that, that saying the truth will set you free is – um, you know, it's easier said than done a lot of times because yeah. sometimes a little thing here, a little thing there, you can kind of get away with it. But, um, you know, little turds make a big pile of poop at some point. And, That's exactly right. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it, uh, you know, uh, being involved in, in Dixon, you know, you, anybody, and I, I'm starting to experience this more and more myself as well as anybody that puts themselves out there. For for any reason, yep. for, for the good, there's always going to be you know the trolls, the people, oh, that, yeah. the people that come along, the people that um, you know the keyboard warriors, the people that um, that don't know what's going on. Um, I, I can't tell you. So I've, I've been involved with leadership Dixon County since I graduated in 2017, uh, and have been on the board ever since. Served as a board president um, for a year, and, and now I'm I think I'm in my final term of, of the board as as an ex president, but. Um, uh, I and I've obviously been heavily involved with every class um, in between seventeen and now, and I and every day after um, city county government day, um, you know I'll always talk to a couple people in the class. I'll know a couple of them, just ask how it went, and um, the first and main thing that they say is like it's unbelievable to see the other side of things. Like oh, you yeah. just see that you you read the things exactly in right. newspapers, you yep. you see all this crap on Hip Dixon and Facebook and, and other social sites or even, you know, out at the you know at a at a restaurant or a bar or something having a drink and people just complain or, you know, they've got something to say about it, but they don't know they don't know oh, both yeah. sides of the story. Exactly. And they don't know what these people go through on a day to day basis either. I mean, it, it's it's said every year that social media is one of the biggest hurdles for any elected official or, or city exactly official right. to, to overcome is because there's so much misinformation. Fake news, you know, there's oh, yeah. there's so much of that out there. Um, you know, and, and once that snowball starts rolling I agree with you completely. It's tough. So, but, yeah. but, but to be able to lay your head down on the pillow at night and say, well, I made the right decision. Absolutely. Everything will fall into place. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, you, what my boss likes to say, you know, cause people ask me, you know, well, did you win or lose that trial? I'm like, well, I don't look at it like that. And this Ray Crouch says what we do. And I agree with him as a prosecutor. You're there to seek the truth. When you go into trial case, you're there to seek the truth. And if everything you're trying to prove when you walk in there, you know, this defendant's guilty because of X, Y, and Z, and we're going to prove it, you're going to tell the jury the truth. You're seeking the truth that this person committed this crime, and he should be found guilty. That's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good way to look at it. Uh, because if you go into a jury trial and you've got doubts that that person's guilty, you shouldn't be trying the case to be in with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've I've never done that. Sure. You know. Um, Just take it for what it is, and if it's something you're comfortable with that you feel yep. that you can um, and as a prosecutor, you, handle. You know, it's kind of I was getting to earlier. We have a lot of discretion. You know, some some cases. You know, like I was I was saying earlier about. You know, people who get charged by an arrest warrant at the scene. Well, there's a lot of cases that 
you know, are investigated for months and months by TBI, whether it be TBI, Dixon County Sheriff's Department, Houston County Sheriff's Department, their investigators, and a case comes along, and it's really up to law enforcement because they'll present you, hey, here are the facts, this is what we got, what can we charge them with? You know, it's your job, you know, especially, that's a lot of, a lot of the, how child sex abuse cases come about. They don't usually get arrested by an arrest warrant on the scene. There'll be a direct resentment to the grand jury. Hmm. And, you know, in those types of cases, I always like to, before I take a case to the grand jury, I like to sit down and talk with the victim or their family and kind of explain the court process because I, I feel comfortable, more comfortable doing that. In, in child sex abuse cases. Sure. But, you know, something like murder cases, you know, you can't do that, obviously, because the victim's passed away. Sure. Uh, but you, you have a lot of discretion in, in doing that. And, you know, much like a judge has a lot of discretion in deciding uh, anything that comes before their court. So I think that's that's another reason that, I, you know, I, I think I would be a— a good judge in general, because I've, yeah. I've dealt with having to use discretion as a prosecutor. Hmm. Um, so, and you've been around all walks of life too, absolutely all different places, all yeah. different trials, everything. So yeah. it's, you know, obviously there are going to be some new things thrown your way, and new situations are going to have to be dealt with. But, um, you know, obviously someone who's who's green in the industry is not going to be able to to run for judge and, and have yeah. such, such and confidence I'm, in doing. I'm so. fairly young to be, sure. you know, in this this. This career is filled. You know, I'm 37. I'll be 38 in February. Um, so how long are these terms? Eight years. Okay. So, cool. you know. And you do have to run every... I mean, if you go unopposed, you wouldn't really have to... Nope. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, it's... Once you get elected, you got it for eight years. Okay. So. Cool. Uh, they're fairly long terms, which I think I agree with for a judge. Yeah. You know. Uh, same way with assistant... Or same way with a district attorney or public defender or a circuit court judge. They're all... Eight-year terms. Okay. So, well, great conversation, Tomage. Yeah, man, that's great. One thing I want to note. Yeah. Early voting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, will be July fifteenth through the thirtieth. Okay. Election day is August fourth, twenty twenty-two. Uh, if anybody would like to reach out to me, I'll be glad to answer any questions, uh, any phone calls. My email is t as in Tom, m as in mother. Woodall, W-O-O-D-A-L-L, uh, the number 26 at gmail.com. So it's tmwoodall26 at gmail.com. And my cell phone number is 615-504-1603. And your socials, are you, where are you at on that? Uh, I've got a Facebook page, uh, Talmadge Woodall for Dixon County General Sessions Judge. And Instagram is at Woodall, the number four judge cool all right good well michael thank you again for having me on here no thanks i appreciate it Uh, yeah no it's a great conversation very Very interesting yeah it's um i I think that kind of informing people how the process works and um who you are and and your experience is is always good i i I think that um obviously in in a position of sales which you are are currently in and and pretty much anybody in business is in sales um it's attention you know and, and and getting your name out there and um you know, letting people know uh, who you are, but it's also clarity as well too, as far as what's going on. Absolutely. Um, and who's running, and and what about that person? And um, I know this is just one platform, but um, 
a lot of people will just go in, you know, and and uh, if they've been subconsciously programmed to seeing campaign signs all over, and they're like, yep. oh, I know that name, they can check that box, yeah, for whatever good or bad reason, you know, whatever whatever works. But but having an opportunity to um, have something in recording, and I'll, of course I'll cut this up, and if you think of any points or anything that you, okay. I can just have that specifically and just send it to you. Um, you can use it for any sort of social media stuff like awesome. that as well too. Thank you. Um, yeah, so um, this will live on forever. So anybody that that wants to listen to it, um, you know, closer to election time, you know, I can I can do a little nudge, kind of closer to then as well too. That'd be and, great, and just have it, you know, front of mind um, coming closer in in July and, and in August as well too. So, um, anything else you want to say before we shut her down? That's it. Cool. Vote well, for vote for Talmadge one all August fourth. <laughs> vote for Talmadge. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, thanks again for coming in. Thanks everybody for listening. I surely surely appreciate it. Um, be sure to go check him out on Facebook and Instagram, and and I'll have. Um, his emails and stuff uh, posted in the in the video description in his cell phone, um, where, where I posted on uh, YouTube and Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, all the good places where you can get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to subscribe in in any and all locations to to help me out. Um, and well, thanks for listening. Hope you have a good rest of the day. Until next time, peace. Thanks again to Your Vibes Entertainment for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking to boost your revenue, showcase your company, or just want to provide high-vibe entertainment for your family, friends, employees, or clients, please reach out to them directly on Facebook or Instagram at Your Vibes Entertainment. Shoot them an email at yventertainmentservicesllc at gmail.com or give the owner Michael a call directly at 615-330-3236. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, please reach out to me directly via email at yourvibespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and always remember, stay vibey, my friends.